I have a question. Are you mowing in the dark? Welcome back to the Mowing in the Dark podcast. I am your host, Aaron Sutter. Thank you for tuning in to another Faith Friday episode. It has been a little bit, a little while since I talked to you guys. The reason being is my kids are off school. They've been off school for two weeks. Good grief. And so uh, my oldest son, he homeschools, so he's always home. But my youngest son, he goes to school and he's been home all week, so they haven't been doing school, and it's just been really hard to focus and get podcast episodes done. So I haven't done a podcast episode in a while. It's been very uneventful around here lately. Um, just not a whole lot going on business-wise. Um, I did do a driveway repair um, last weekend, so on Saturday I did a driveway repair. And that was fun. That was a five-hour job, and I made really good money on that, so I was really happy with that. I helped the homeowner out, and it was a big job because this driveway, not only was it the homeowner's driveway, but it was like in a subdivision where there was driveways off of the main road, and this house was responsible to take care of that whole main road. And so I had to go through and fix the whole road. Now it's not a, not a normal road, right? It's not like owned by the city or the county or whatever. This is like a, a community owned road, but they were responsible for it. So I got to do that, got that all taken care of for them. But other than that, there really hasn't been any kind of work going on here in the Michigan Lansing area for me anyways. Um, so it's just been an uneventful week. I've been sitting down. I've been reading a lot. I've started in on, um, the Lord of the Rings return of the King. So if you guys have never read the Lord of the Rings books, they're all pretty long. And so I have been immersed in that. And then also while I was out deer hunting, uh, I got into the book Lone Survivor. So I've been going between the two, reading Lone Survivor and reading Return of the King and and reading my daily devotionals along with studying for this podcast. And so it's been a lot of reading this week, a lot of reading. Uh, just, I mean, you know, four or five hours a day of reading. So... I, I've told you guys before, I love reading, and I do, and so that's what I've been doing this week, and it's just been fun. It's been fun. It's been relaxing. For the most part, my boys are home. You know, they've got the TV on, so I'm trying to read while the TV's on. It doesn't work all that great. Our house is small, so our, our main living area is all one big room, and so it's the living room, dining room, and kitchen, and so it's noisy and that's just the way it is, but it's been fun. It's been a good week and my boys are gone today. The grandparents came and took them off and they're off doing whatever they're doing. And so I have time today uh, to do a really quiet 
Faith Friday episode. Earlier today, just like 10-15 minutes ago, I hooked up the snowplow. I haven't had the snowplow on very much this year, but it looks like we're going to get some snow this weekend. A little bit. It's not going to be terrible. And then maybe on Tuesday, we might have two to three inches. So that's a plus. And then after that, we may get like an inch a day for a few days. So we'll see how that all shakes out. You guys know how the weather is. It always changes and it just, it all depends. But that's not what we're here to talk about today. Today, we're here to talk about faith or really get into God's word because that's what we're that's what we do here on Faith Friday. So, the way we do Faith Friday, if you're new here, let me go back a minute. Let me tell you a little bit about who I am in case you're new. All right. So, my name's Aaron. I run a lawn care business in Lansing, Michigan. And I, I spent years of my life working in retail and then the medical field. And I just got tired of working nights and weekends. So, I decided to start a lawn care business. And with that lawn care business, I started a YouTube channel. And out of the YouTube channel, I started this podcast. And so I just like to share what I've been going through day to day, little lessons that I've learned along the way. And while operating a business, something that I have found is that there are four core things that, in my opinion, every business needs. All right, that we need to focus on, especially business owners. We'll we'll stick with business owners, okay? So the the four things that you have to focus on as a business owner is number one, faith. That's number one. All right. So the podcast is about business, faith, family, and life. But this for for a business owner. It's faith, family, business, life. So that that's what I like to focus on here. I think I have that right. Sometimes I get them mixed up and, you know, what, whatever. But um, those are the main four tenets that I have. And I could be wrong on the tenets, on that life tenet. I, I can't remember. My, my brain is a little foggy right now. But the, the first three for sure. Okay, so faith always comes first. And I I feel like from what I've found in my business through the years, I've been doing this 10 years now, is that faith plays an integral part in running a healthy business. Sure, you can run a business without faith. Absolutely, you can. And and there are people that do it and do it successfully. But I think if, if you have that faith component, your business will be much more successful, your family will be much more successful, and and your life will be much more successful. And so that's why those are the tenets, all right? And so the way we do the Faith Friday podcast here, podcast episodes, is I take a book of the Bible and we go through the entire book, not in one episode, but chapter by chapter. And verse by verse. So we are currently in the book of Acts in the Bible. So if you're at home listening to this, grab your Bible, read along. I would love that. Now, we're currently in Acts chapter 2. And we are starting at Acts chapter 2, verse 14. But I'm going to give some background 
First of all, I got to give my disclaimer. I do it every Faith Friday episode. I am not a Bible scholar. I didn't go to Bible school. I don't have Bible training. None of that. I just love the Word of God, and I like reading it, and I like sharing it with people, and so and, and I like studying it. So, for for me, God gave me this podcast, and so I want to share that as a part of a faith component for business owners. And so that's why I do these Faith Friday episodes. So all that being said, the way we do it is I read through the portion of scripture that we're going to do today. Then we go back to the starting verse and we go through it verse by verse. Okay, so let's jump into Acts chapter 2, verse 14. Then Peter stood up with the eleven raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. If it is only nine in the morning. No, this is what, we, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says... I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him. As you yourselves know, this man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will live in hope. Because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence." Brothers, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of the fact. 
exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand, until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and all who are far off, for all who the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them, and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accept this message were baptized. I'm sorry, let me go back. Those who accepted this message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being baptized." And that ends Acts chapter 2. Let's go back to chapter 2, verse 14. Now, I want to give some background that I didn't do before I started reading the passage. So I want to do that here um, just so this makes sense. So Acts chapter 1, or the first part of Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes. God sends the Holy Spirit, as Jesus promised to his disciples, before his ascension into heaven, Jesus promised the Holy Spirit would come. And the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost when the disciples were in this room together. Um, They were eating and they broke bread and the Holy Spirit came and set on their heads like like a tongue of fire, the Bible says. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and it came in like a rushing wind. And because this was at the time of Pentecost, this is like a feast type of thing among the Jews. And so there was many, many, many Jews from all over the region, from far off places, and they all spoke different languages. And so the the disciples went out into the into the city courts because everyone had gathered because because they heard this rushing wind and so the disciples went out into the courts and they started speaking and they just started speaking and the people that were there heard them speaking in their own language 
and so the, all these people from all over, all over the area, all over the region that spoke different languages, they're like, what, what is this? I, I'm hearing them speak in my language. And so that's where Peter steps up here in verse 14 and he addresses the crowd. So verse 14, then Peter stood up with the 11. So all of them stood up, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews, all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. Verse 15, these men are not drunk. So when, when the disciples went out and they started speaking, some of these people were saying like, man, these guys must be drunk that they sound because, because you have to understand they were all speaking in different languages. And so for some of the people that had gathered, the disciples sounded like they were speaking gibberish, just nonsense because they didn't understand the languages. And so Peter's saying here in verse 15, um, these men are not drunk because they, they assumed that some of these men were drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. And because it's, this is a feast day, they weren't allowed to have alcohol on in before, I think it was like 11 a.m. or something like that, which, which, I mean, wine was their main drink because they couldn't drink a lot of the water that was around there because it was, it was not good. It was not good water. And so they, they would drink wine. They couldn't drink wine before a certain time in the day. So it was only 9 a.m. Um, he says, fellow Jews and all you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this. Um, listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine, nine in the morning. Verse 16. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. So Joel was a prophet and let's, let's listen to what he says here in the last days, God says, and this is a quote from Joel. So this is a, a prophet that let that lived many, many years before Jesus came. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all the people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. So Peter's using the prophet Joel, and he's explaining to these Jewish people who would know the prophet Joel, what, what he said. He's explaining to them that God says in the, I will pour out my spirit on all people. So he's starting to explain and they're starting to get it. All right. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. So that's what these disciples are doing a little bit. They're, they're not really prophesying so much as speaking in other tongues. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Verse 18. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Verse 19, I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. So what were the wonders in heaven above? It was the angels coming. It was the angels coming to proclaim to the shepherds that Jesus had come. At least that's what I think this, this means. Also, the the sky went dark in, in the middle of the day when Jesus was crucified. The sky went dark. The sun did not shine. 
there was earthquake. There was an earthquake. When Jesus died, there was an earthquake. It was such a strong earthquake that the the veil in the temple, which was like 18 thin, inches thick of material, was torn in two from top angle to bottom angle. That's how bad this earthquake was. It tore 18 inches of fabric. From top, from the top right corner down to the bottom left corner, tore it in two, opened it wide open to the holy of holies. All right. Uh, verse nineteen again. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. Okay, so may, I could be wrong here, but I do I do include the wondrous signs uh, of in the heavens above, the darkness when Jesus died, the angels when he was born. I, I think that is part of this. But he's also talking about all the way when Jesus comes back, I think. I think that's what he's talking about here. And I don't think, I have my commentary in front of me, but I don't think it really speaks to that so much because it, it, it's not really a part of the context per se. Uh, let me read here. There will be visions and dreams. This is out of a commentary by, this is the Believer's Bible Commentary. It's by William MacDonald, okay? I'm just reading part of this here. There will be visions and dreams which suggest the reception of knowledge and prophecy which suggests an import impartation to others. Thus the gifts of revelation and communication will be in evidence. All this will occur in what Joel describes as the last days. This, of course, refers to the last days of Israel, not the church. Okay, so this is the last days of Israel, not the church. As far as William MacDonald suggests, okay? I don't know about all that. I don't I don't know what to think about all that. Um, I'm just telling you what I think it is, okay? I could be absolutely wrong. So don't take it as gospel. But that's what I think he's, he's including there. I think the angels, the darkness, I think, and then all stuff from, from Jesus' death all the way till his, until the destruction of Israel. Okay. So we'll just leave it at that. That's really confusing. I'm sure I'm confused. We'll leave it at that. Okay. All right. And everyone who calls, verse 21, and anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Okay. Now that is Joel. That's still Joel speaking, the prophet Joel. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So Joel, the prophet Joel, prophesied that Jesus would come, that the Son of, of God would come, he would die, and that anyone who called on the name of the Lord would be saved. And Peter is opening this prophecy up now to the Jews that are here in this square, in this town square, where the disciples are just after the Holy Spirit has come. Verse 22, Men of Israel, listen to this. 
Jesus, and this, I'm sure this really cut to the heart here. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. Okay, so the people that are there from around the region, they would have heard and known about Jesus. They would have heard and known about the miraculous things that Jesus was doing. They would have heard and known about about this prophet or this, this teacher that was going around healing people. Someone once said that it was so evident that Jesus was healing people that there was almost, you could, it was hard to find someone that was sick or lame in Jerusalem and the surrounding regions at that time because so many people were coming to Jesus to be healed. Now, I don't know if that's true. That's not in the Bible, but someone has said that. All right. Um, Wondrous signs which God did among you through him, as you, you yourselves know. Verse 23, this man was handed over to you. So Pilate handed Jesus over to the Jews by God's set purpose. Now, this the whole events of the crucifixion story, that was all orchestrated by God himself. This man who was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge and you with the help of wicked men put him to death by nailing him to the cross so god knew god set in motion all these events this is the way god and jesus god the father and jesus the son this is their covenant since before the beginning of time They made a covenant that this is how the people of earth, essentially, would be saved. This is how God would save his people. Verse 24, but God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Death cannot hold God. Because God created death. So if Jesus stayed dead, that's why it is such a big deal that Jesus rose from the dead. Because if Jesus died and stayed dead, he clearly was not God. Because God created death. God has power over death. So if if Jesus died and stayed dead, He was not God. But we know from evidence, from eyewitness accounts, all throughout the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that Jesus appeared to more than 500 people after his resurrection. There were eyewitness accounts. And not only that, but after people proclaimed that they had seen Jesus that he showed them to them. He appeared to 300-some people at one time. For that, for that many people to claim that they saw Jesus, 
the risen Lord at the same time would have to be either a mass, um, a mass delusion or some sort of, I don't know, like a mass psychosis or something. It's just not possible. Scientists have, have said it's not possible for that to happen in that way for, um, for Jesus to appear to 300 people and they all say that they saw him and could describe it perfectly and their stories all matched up. And so it is, it is, it is proven by eyewitness account that Jesus rose from the dead bodily, not spiritually. Yes, he did uh, raise spiritually, but he also raised bodily. Okay, verse 24, but God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Verse 25, David said about him, so King David from the Old Testament, I saw the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken before my heart Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will live in hope because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One, Jesus, see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. David saw the future. God imparted it to him as a prophet. And David spoke it out and wrote it down. And he prophesied that the Holy One would not see decay. Verse 29. Brothers, this is Peter speaking again. Brothers, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried. And his tomb is here this to this day. So some of them, some of the Jews probably thought that David was speaking about himself, that he would not see decay. Peter is saying here, no, David's not speaking about himself. He's speaking about Jesus, the Holy One of God. He's speaking about Jesus because they know, they knew where David's tomb was. They, they know where he's buried. Verse 29 again, brothers, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried and his tomb is here to this day. Verse 30, but he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on the throne. If you remember back, God promised David that he would place a descendant of the line of David on the throne of of Israel. Uh, I believe it's Israel, or uh, I'm pretty sure that's what it is. I could be all wrong. Again, I'm not a Bible scholar, okay? <laughs> Let's just keep going here. Um, but he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Verse 31, seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. Verse 32, God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all 
witnesses of the fact. So he's talking about the disciples, the people that were in the room that received the Holy Spirit. We are all witnesses of the fact. Verse 33, exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. So he's saying that Jesus has sent the Holy Spirit and has now poured it out on all, all on the disciples. He's poured it out. And he's explaining, that's what you're seeing and hearing here. It's, we're not drunk. This is what you're seeing. And he's gone back to the prophets and told them what this is about. Because that would just confirm it to the Jewish people that, that that's what's going on here. And he connected the two lines. He connected what the prophets were saying with what happened with Jesus. And he connects it together. And it's like, aha, a light bulb goes off in the Jew's mind. Verse 34, for David did not ascend to heaven. And yet he said, the Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand. He's talking about Jesus. Until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The Bible says that just this, that the enemies of God will be made a footstool. Right? Verse 36. Therefore, this is Peter again. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. What does Christ mean? It means that God is, um, uh, means, I think Christ means Savior. I don't have my phone with me because it's a distraction, but I believe the word Christ means Savior. If, if I'm not mistaken, I could be mistaken, but I think that's what it means. So he's made him Lord and Christ. So Lord is like, he's over you and he's your Savior. Verse 37, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles. Now, this is a crowd. Brothers, what shall we do? They, they've never heard the gospel. They don't know anything. All right. They, they just know that they crucified their Lord and Savior. They crucified the guy that came, the, the one. All right. The Jews. For thousands of years and still today, because many Jews do not believe that Jesus was the Christ, the one that was coming to set the captives free. They, they're looking for a political savior, someone that's going to free Israel from oppression, that someone that's going to be a, a warrior. And God is, a, Jesus is a warrior, but he's also a king and he's a Christ. They did not expect Jesus to come as a baby, live life as a man, and then only for three years be here and proclaim that he is the savior that was pro, that was prophesied they didn't expect him and so they reject him because he didn't come in the way they thought he should so they don't believe that jesus was the christ and it, it it's sad because the holy one of god came the christ the warrior 
the king. The savior came. And they were looking for someone specifically to free the Jewish people. And Jesus came and freed everyone. He came in order to free everyone. And so they have a hard time. A lot of Jews have a hard time. These people that were gathered were cut to the heart. And they ask, brothers, what shall we do? What can we do here? We, 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 killed, we killed our Savior. We killed the King. The one that was prophesied to come. We killed him. Verse 38. Peter replied, Repent, ask for forgiveness, turn from your sins, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So they're saying, guys, what what you're seeing here, you can have this too. You have to ask for forgiveness. Ask God to forgive you. Repent. Turn from your ways. Be baptized and receive the Holy Spirit. So that's three different things. Repent. You have to believe. Repent. Be baptized and receive the Holy Spirit. Now, there's something in my commentary that really was interesting to me about this, and I want to read it to you because it makes a lot of sense. There's different order. There's different orders throughout the Bible of how we get repentance. All right, and so this is what William MacDonald says. Peter assured them that if they repented and were baptized, they would receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. To insist that this order applies to us today is to misunderstand God's administrative dealings in the early days of the church. As H.P. Baker has said, has so aptly pointed out to the Vicar of Christ, in the Vicar of Christ, sorry, in the Vicar of Christ, that's a book that he wrote, there are four communities of believers in the book of Acts. And the order of events in connection with the reception of the Holy Spirit is different in each case. So throughout the book of Acts, there's different steps, okay? Here in Acts 2, verse 38, we read about Jewish Christians. For them, the order was, one, repentance, two, water baptism, three, reception of the Holy Spirit. The conversion of Samaritans is recorded in Acts 8, 14 through 17. There we read that the following events occurred. Number one, they believed. Two, they were baptized in water. Three, the apostles prayed for them. Four, the apostles laid their hands on them. And five, they received the Holy Spirit. In Acts 10, 44 through 48, the conversion of Gentiles is in view. Notice the order here. Number one, faith. Number two, reception of the Holy Spirit. Number three, water baptism. A final community of believers is made up of disciples of John the Baptist. Acts 19, 1 through 7. And the order is one, they believed. Two, they were rebaptized. Three, the apostle Paul laid his hands on them. And four, they received the Holy Spirit. Does this mean there are few ways of salvation of the book? Does this mean that there are four 
ways of salvation in the books, book of Acts? Of course not. Salvation was, is, and always will be on the basis of faith in the Lord. Okay, so we'll stop there. But you see there was four different sections or different orders of becoming a believer, shall we say, so and receiving the Holy Spirit. So I just thought that was interesting, and I wanted to share that with you. Let's keep going here. Um, okay, so Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 39, The promise is for you and your children, and for all and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Now, some, um, some, and myself included, would kind of consider this like a predestination type verse. But um, I think really God has called everyone. God has called everyone to repent and believe. So I, I struggle with the, the predestination, you know, type of stuff. But I think God has called all of us to believe. And I think that is what we can take from Peter here. We don't have to read in a whole lot about it. Verse 40, with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. So he, he not only said what is written here, but he used many other words to try and convince these people because the Jews were hard headed people. We see that throughout the entire old Testament. They would sin and then repent, and then they would sin and turn to other gods, and then they would come back and repent, and then they would sin and worship other gods, and God would send a prophet, and they'd kill the prophet, and then they'd repent. And then you just see it over and over and over and over again throughout the Old Testament. And so they were hard-headed, and they had to be nailed over the head with it over and over again, and some, a lot of them were hard to get through to. Verse 40 again, with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Verse 41, those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3000 were added to their number that day. About 3000 were added to their number that day. The church was so small at this point. It was the disciples and maybe a couple hundred other people, maybe that was the size of the church worldwide at this time. The church grew this day by about 3000 people. That's amazing. 3000 people repented and were baptized and received the Holy spirit. That's amazing. Verse 42 they devoted themselves. Now he's talking about this whole group of people, but he's, he's basically talking to about the disciples, but the church in general, he, the, the author's kind of shifting gears to Luke is the author, by the way, Luke is shifting gears to talking about the church here. So we're, we've been looking at Jesus. We've been looking at the coming of the Holy Spirit. And now at the end of chapter two here, we are shifting gears and focusing more on the church. Okay. 
because the church has started to form. And so throughout the rest of the book of Acts, we are going to be mostly focused on the church. And there's some interesting stories throughout there and things, but we're shifting focus now with this verse 42 to the church. All right, so let's shift our focus here. Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, so the fellowship of believers, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. This is what we need to be devoted to as well. We have the apostles' teaching in our hands. I'm reading it right now. This is where the apostles' teaching is. It's the word of God. We have to devote ourselves to reading the word of God daily. We've got to get it daily. This podcast is not enough. Me reading one chapter a week is not enough for you. I'm trying to do this to encourage you to get into the word because it's so, it's so delicious, right? It's so good. And it, it, it just, you can tell, you can tell when you're reading the old Testament and you can tell when you're reading the new Testament, there's a difference. I know that when I read the old Testament, I can tell the difference in the writing that Jesus has not come yet. The Holy spirit was not on the earth and dwelt in people yet. And then when you shift gears, because I read in the Old Testament every day, and I read in the New Testament every day, you can tell by the writing that the Holy Spirit has indwelt these people, because it's different. It's different. And I love that about the Bible. And so we've got to get into the Word. We've got to devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching, because that is where we get fed spiritually. That's the only place we get fed spiritually. We pray and we talk to God, but we're not getting fed spiritually there. We're, we're pouring out our heart to God and we're, we're asking for things and we're asking for whatever. And we're, we're asking him to change us and, and we're, we're speaking to God. And the word is God speaking back to us. And so we have, if you want to hear from God, uh, Justin, uh, a guy named Justin Peters says this thing, and it's kind of funny, it's kind of tongue-in-cheek, but he says this. He says, and I think he got the quote from someone else, but he says, if you want to hear God speak, read the Bible. If you want to hear God speak audibly, read it out loud. So I'm going to tell you the same thing. If you want to hear God speak, if you've been praying and you're like, God, I want to hear your voice. I want to hear you. I want to hear you. Read the Bible. He's speaking. He's speaking to you through his word. That's why it's called God's word. He's speaking to you. It is everything we need for him to say. It's all here. From the Old Testament, from Genesis 1 to Revelation, I don't know what it is, Revelation 23, I think it is, Revelation 24, something like that. I don't know how many chapters in Revelation. Uh, I want to check. 22, Revelation 22. So 
from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, God is speaking. And that's why we need to read the Bible every day. If you want to hear from God, that is where you do it. Now, can God speak audibly? Sure, of course. Of course he can. He can do anything. But we have his word. Can he speak with a still small voice, our conscience? Absolutely. I bet most of us hear from God every single day. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. I believe your conscience is the Holy Spirit saying, Hey, hey, you shouldn't do that. Hey, don't be doing that. You don't need to do that. I believe that's the Holy Spirit speaking to us. You got to listen to it. All right, let's keep going here. I, I've, I've labored that point too long. Verse 42 again. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Verse 43. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. Did you hear that? Now, this is kind of, this could be a touchy subject uh, where, you know, the uh, what we, the charismatic movement, um, things like that with miraculous signs and all that stuff. I don't know about all that. I haven't researched the charismatic movement too much. I know they place a high value on speaking in tongues. I know they place a high value on healing and things like that. But listen to what it says. Because remember, back back in, uh, what was it? In verse 41, it says, Those who accepted the message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to the number that day. Which means they received the Holy Spirit. All right, so now verse 43, we have to assume something here, right? Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. Not by the whole group, but by the apostles. So, are there apostles today? Well, that depends. Did that person walk with Jesus? Oh, no, they didn't? Okay, then they're not an apostle. <laughs> That's the criteria to be an apostle. You had to be chosen by God, by Jesus, and you had to walk with Jesus his entire ministry. You had to be there. That's the requirement to be an apostle. We saw that back in Acts chapter 1 when they replaced Judas with Matthias. He, they had two guys that were with Jesus, his entire ministry, saw him die, saw him resurrected. They had two of them, and they, they cast lots, and it fell to Matthias. So, in my mind, now I could be wrong, I'm not a Bible scholar, remember, remember that, it's the apostles that were doing the miraculous signs. It was not the other people. Okay, that, that I'm just going to leave it at that because that's what it says. That's what it says here. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. Okay, I'm just going to leave it there. 
I'm not going to belabor the point because I know we all believe a little different and can other, can the Holy spirit work in someone and they can do, they can, he can work a miracle through them. I believe he can, because again, God can do anything. God can do anything. So I'm not, you know, we can, I could pick it, pick it, pick it this. I don't want to. I think I've already picked at it enough. <laughs> um, we can believe differently and still be brothers and sisters in Christ. Okay. I may believe one way. You may believe, be, believe another way. Here, here's what unites us. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe that he lived, he died, he, he was buried, and he rose again three days later and ascended to, to heaven. And we can believe on him and have our sins forgiven. That is what unites us. Amen? All right, verse 44. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They had everything in common. So they they had everything in common. They were all Jews. They all believed in Jesus. That's what they had in common. Verse 45. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. So it's talking about the church. It's not talking about people on the outside. He's talking specifically about the church. The church, selling their possessions and goods, gave to anyone in the church as he had need. All right, so they're supporting one another. They're helping each other out. They're, they're, when one part of the body is hurting, they're helping that part of the body. All right, verse 46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. So they kept going to the temple, the Jewish temple. They would go, because they're Jews, they're Jewish believers in Jesus Christ. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. 47. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people of the church. Because we will see the, the church did not have much favor with the rest of the Jewish community. Okay, so the Jewish believers did not have a lot of favor with the rest of the Jewish church. Okay, um, let's see here. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. When we come together and we work together, the church, when we... If, if someone in our community is in need and we go and help them, someone on the outside of the church sees that. Someone sees that. This has happened many times. Someone will see that and they're like, man, I wish I had that from somebody. A whole group of people coming around you, lifting you up. I've seen this many times. In the church that I go to, I'm sure you've seen it in your church, where someone in the church is suffering and the church rallies around them. They'll bring meals. Maybe they're, they've had an illness. 
They'll bring meals. They'll come. They'll clean the house. They'll come. They'll mow the lawn. They'll come. They'll take care of cows and and animals if they have those. They will come around them and support them physically and spiritually. They'll lift them up in prayer. They They will dedicate themselves to helping those people. That's what the church is supposed to do. And people on the outside see that. They see that. The church is not perfect. We have our problems. You bet we do. Every single church has its problems. Why? Because we're all humans. We're all fallen sinners who are saved by grace because we believe in Jesus Christ. But we still have sin in our lives. We still have a sinful nature as everyone does. But there's something different about a believer who is in church, acting in the church, within the church, working as a community to support one another. And when people see that, they are they become believers. They want what we have because they do not have it. And so that's what we're seeing here in verse 47, the last verse of Acts chapter 2. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Because they wanted what the early church had. That's where we're ending today, guys. That's the end of Acts chapter 2. I really enjoyed this one. Um... And yeah, I said some controversial things that maybe maybe a lot of you don't agree with, and that's okay. I don't think less of you if you believe a different way than I do. Heck, you might be a Muslim listening to me, and that's okay. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're listening to this. I can tell you that this is going to be a fun educational time together for both for all of us because acts is replete with the early church and what they went through and all different kinds of stuff there's a lot of lessons in here and i can't wait to share it with you i've been reading through acts myself and i'm up to chapter eight now so there's a lot of stuff in here that's really good that we can learn from. So take that to heart. If you're not in a church, if you're a believer and you're not in a church, if you've written off the church and you say, man, I I love God, but I don't love the church, then I'm sorry, man, but you don't love God. You don't. To, to love God and hate his body is to not love God. You love the thought of God. You love what God can do for you. But you don't love his body. And so you've got to be in the church, man. You've got to find a good church, a good group of people that will lift you up and support you. Now, my experience of going to um, mega churches is that you feel like a number in the crowd. You walk in, you shake the greeter's hand, 
Maybe they have a time where turn around and shake someone's hand around you. That's great. You're never going to remember that person's name. You're, you're going to walk out of that place and you could feel lonelier than when you walked in. So I have some criticism of mega churches in that way. Unless you're in a small group, a really good small group, not just a group of people that gets together once a week and you might have a meal and you do a a Bible study that's unbelievably boring and you learn nothing. You just ask a, a list of questions that that's not a good group. So I would encourage you to find a small church, like a small community church where everyone knows everyone's name, where you're shaking everyone's hand at the end of the service, where you want to stick around and hang out and talk with these people after the service. You go get a meal with them after church. You, you get invited to people's houses. You, you get to have Sunday lunch with these people. I encourage you, if you don't have that and you're in a mega church, search it out in a smaller church or find a, 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 a small group in that church that does do that. Because I'll tell you, not mega churches aren't bad as long as people get connected. But so many people do not get connected. And they, they don't learn to love the body of Christ, to get involved in the body of Christ. And I can tell you, when you get into a small community church, you get involved in the body of Christ. You know everyone. You know what's going on. You know when pe- someone is suffering. You know when, when someone has a baby. You know. And so you can support them. You can lift them up. So that's what I like about the church that I go to. It's small. You know everyone. You can greet everyone. We have a a monthly meal at the church where everyone sits around and we talk and we we have fun and we we can dig into people each other's lives a little bit. We know what's going on and we can help. And so that's that's what having a small local church can do for you. So I just encourage you If you're not in the church, just get in a church. First of all, just get in a church. If you've been hurt by the church, I'm sorry. There is a lot of church hurt out there because there are a lot of churches that really don't operate as a church. And and there's gossip and there's backbiting and people are treated poorly. But that doesn't mean you write off the entire body of Christ. That means you find a new part of the body to be a part of. Find a new church. Get plugged in. So if you if you say that you love God, but you don't love his body, you don't love God. And we have to understand that. We have to understand that as Christians, that we need to be a part of a body, a local body. And, and we need to serve one another. We can't do the Christian life alone. We need to be in fellowship with other believers. 
So that's where I'm going to end this podcast today because that's a good place to end it because we're going into the church here and the church, the early church era, and we're going to be learning a lot of this stuff and about honesty and how to treat one another. And it's a, it's going to be good. It's going to be really good. And I am looking forward to it and I hope you are too. So with that being said, thank you all for listening and I will see you in the next Faith Friday episode.